Well, this year, the lectionary is taking us on a journey through the gospel of Luke. And, and today, having already observed and celebrated the birth of Jesus, uh, we'll fast forward 12 years and, and get a tiny window into the boyhood of Jesus. So let's jump right in here to verse 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Let's stop there. Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. This is really important. Deuteronomy 16 required that that the men of Israel travel to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover, in addition to two other feasts, every year. However, over centuries of exile, the, the nation of Israel had been dispersed throughout the region, which made this sort of pilgrimage nearly impossible for many faithful Jews. So over time, the rabbis, they, they softened the requirement, and rather than traveling to Jerusalem every year, faithful Jews were encouraged to make the trip at minimum once during their lifetimes. But Joseph and Mary made the trip every year. As we saw last week, Joseph and Mary, they were deeply devoted to observing the law of the Lord. And here we have even further evidence of this. Right, The holy family was a devout family. No matter the personal cost, no matter the inconvenience, they listened to the word of God and they obeyed. Now, under the new covenant, the church is the temple and the Holy Spirit is present wherever the church gathers. We have the privilege of of gathering each and every Sunday to worship and repent and learn and give and commune. And when Christian families prioritize weekly worship, it's really a powerful and beautiful thing. So parents, please ensure that your children see you prioritizing the right things. Give your children the gift of knowing that no matter how busy life gets, your family will prioritize communion with God and with his people. And while attending worship on a weekly basis is a good thing for your family, I would also encourage you to consider the manner in which you engage with the liturgy. Do your children hear you speak with conviction? Do your children see you genuinely repenting of sin? Do they hear you singing joyfully and and see you listening intently to the public reading of scripture? Do they know that you support the church financially? Do your children see you savoring the body and blood of Christ? Maybe our liturgy has become too familiar. Maybe we're prone to forget to apply our hearts to, to these rituals Perhaps we adults need new eyes to to see the majesty of what's taking place here. But when it comes to your children, every Sunday morning provides you with, with numerous discipleship opportunities. So please see them for what they are and, and engage deeply. It, it's a worthwhile investment with eternal implications. Verse 42 And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast had ended, they, and as, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. 
So the Passover feast has concluded. Joseph and Mary join the caravan of pilgrims for the journey back to Nazareth. And they assume that Jesus was with them. Now, Joseph and Mary uh, weren't necessarily practicing free-range parenting here, right? This is a very different time, and, and it would not have been strange at all for Jesus to be traveling alongside relatives or even just playing and exploring with cousins. Plus, Jesus was the perfect child. Why would they not trust him? He, he was always where he was supposed to be. He was always doing what his parents expected. He was always obedient, always respectful, never out of line. So actually, I think it's safe to assume that Jesus manufactured this crisis. I think Jesus knew that the caravan was leaving, but the time had come to declare an important truth. And we'll explore that truth in a moment, but... Let me quickly encourage the children not to do this to your parents, right? You are not the Messiah. It will likely end poorly. So once Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus was not with the caravan, they, they returned to Jerusalem, right? Verse 46, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So they find Jesus after, after how many days? Three days. And the number of days is significant, right? First of all, three days was how long Kevin McAllister was left home alone. So obviously that's worth pointing out, some some good connecting points there. But more importantly, three days was how long Jesus would be lost following his crucifixion, which also occurred during the feast of Passover some 21 years later. And I'll unpack that more in a bit. So Joseph and Mary find Jesus in the temple, listening and asking questions. There's, there's no indication that Jesus was teaching the teachers here. But when Jesus was questioned by the teachers, they were impressed with his answers. So Jesus was like King Solomon in our reading earlier out of 1 Kings 3. Solomon prayed for wisdom and the Lord gave him wisdom. See, according to the Bible, wisdom is the most precious resource on earth. It is much to be desired and it doesn't come easy. Jesus wasn't born with wisdom. He had to ask his heavenly father for wisdom. He had to cultivate wisdom. And just like with Solomon, God did not wave a magic wand and grant wisdom mystically. It says in verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now that's a, that's a really wonderful mystery worth dwelling upon. Jesus was, was fully and truly human. He had to learn. He created everything, but in becoming a man, he had to learn about everything he had created. Now, if you're, if you're new to the Christian faith, if you don't feel like you, you know as much as other people, don't, don't let that be a source of discouragement for you. God himself was once a 12-year-old boy, and he was humble enough to be curious. He was humble enough to not have all the answers, humble enough to learn from others, humble enough to pursue wisdom. 
So if, if God in the flesh sought out good teaching, listened intently, asked questions, and, and gave answers concerning the things of God, and, and if we are called to follow in his footsteps, to, to be like him in every way possible, then we too ought to prioritize learning the scriptures and growing in wisdom. Verse 48, upon finding Jesus, Mary says to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Now, any parent who has ever felt the the sinking, desperate feeling of, of having lost a child, even if only for a couple of minutes, knows how Mary's feeling here. She's, she's relieved and probably feeling a bit guilty, but she comes at Jesus with an accusation. She's, she's looking for an apology. But notice the words of Mary here, because the meaning of this passage is, is buried in her words. Your father and I have been searching. Your father and I. To which Jesus replies, actually, my father knows precisely where I've been. In fact, I've been in his house, right? Jesus says in verse 49, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Now, when Luke tells us that they did not understand the saying, he, he's really hinting at something. He's, he's suggesting that we stop and, and look again at the preceding verses, there's, there's something important in Jesus's words and Luke doesn't want us to miss it. So what was the important message that Joseph and Mary were struggling to understand? First of all, let's remember that Jesus was a 12-year-old boy. And this is probably a significant detail. According to Jewish tradition, 13-year-old boys were expected to take on religious duties. So Jesus was preparing to come of age, so to speak. It was time for Jesus to begin the transition from Joseph's tutelage to the tutelage of his heavenly father. In fact, this idea of tutelage may have been exactly what Jesus had in mind in his response. Bible translations differ on on verse 49, where Jesus talks about being in his father's house. The original Greek is a bit ambiguous, According to other translations, Jesus asks his parents, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, regardless, whether Jesus is talking about his father's house or his father's business, or maybe both, there's a distinct transition taking place here. And I think that was the important message that Joseph and Mary were struggling to understand. The message was that Jesus was the son of God, not just the son of Joseph. Joseph and Mary already knew that, of course, but now Jesus was indicating that his relationship with his heavenly father would no longer be mediated through his earthly parents. It was time for him to embrace his divine sonship. Now, I'm not sure how Joseph would have felt as he processed these words, I suppose he knew that this day would come eventually, but I'm guessing it hurt a bit too. But this wasn't a slight against him. This was a powerful reminder for both Joseph and Mary of of who Jesus truly was. As we saw last week, Jesus was appointed for the fall and rising of many in Jerusalem, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. 
He had a specific calling. And and as a 12-year-old boy, he began to prepare his parents for what lay ahead. Joseph would need to decrease so that God the Father could increase. Jesus' relationship with his earthly father would would have to take a backseat as Jesus' relationship with his heavenly father was coming into focus. In fact, following this passage, Joseph disappears from the biblical narrative. His name is mentioned, but but he's never again featured within the narrative. It's also worth noting that Jesus remained submissive to his parents in all this. Verse 51 tells us that Jesus returned to Nazareth with Joseph and Mary and remained submissive to them. Jesus was declaring a degree of independence like a typical preteen. And yet he remained respectful and obedient to his parents. And as a parent of a preteen and two teenagers, I cannot stress this point enough. He remained respectful and obedient to his parents. Now let's take one more look at at verse 46. That after three days they found him. If we look ahead to Luke chapter 24, there's two different stories which both occur three days after the crucifixion of Jesus. First, a group of women arrive at the tomb of Jesus, but the stone is rolled away and the body is missing. Once again, Jesus is lost. He's not where he was expected to be. Then two angels appear before the women and they say, why do you seek the living among the dead? The angels ask these women, why do you seek? Or in the Greek, tis zeteo. It's the same phrase spoken by Jesus in Luke chapter 2. Tis zeteo. Why do you seek? Now the Bible doesn't say, but I wonder whether Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have been among the women who arrived at the tomb that morning. And I wonder whether her thoughts would have, would have jumped back to that 12-year-old Jesus lost in Jerusalem. You see, 21 years prior, Mary had been anxious and and confused, but after three days, she found Jesus right where she should have known he would be. And the same was true on the morning of the resurrection. The women would find Jesus right where they should have known he would be. They should have known that that tomb would be empty. Now, immediately following this story, also in Luke 24, we read about the two disciples who were walking the road to Emmaus. Just like Joseph and Mary in Luke chapter 2, these disciples were traveling away from Jerusalem following the Passover feast. Just like in Luke chapter 2, Jesus had been lost for three days. And just like Joseph and Mary in Luke chapter 2, these two disciples were anxious and confused. But Jesus comes to them. He's no longer a student listening and asking questions. Jesus comes to them as a teacher. He teaches them the meaning of the scriptures and and he breaks bread with them. And once the disciples realize that they're talking to Jesus, once they find the lost Jesus, what do they do? They return to Jerusalem. Again, just like Joseph and Mary in Luke chapter 2, they return to Jerusalem. Now, there's so much we could explore about these parallel passages, but, but let's consider this question. When Jesus seems absent, when Jesus is nowhere to be found, what do you do? Where do you go? Do you binge watch a show 
Do you find a way to, to entertain the pain away? Do you turn to food or, or other substances? Do you purchase something? Or, metaphorically speaking, do you return to Jerusalem? This is my encouragement. When Jesus seems absent, when you're anxious or, or fearful or depressed, return to Jerusalem. Go to the temple. And by that, I mean, step more fully into the church. Find life in your Christian community. Go where you know Jesus can be found. He has promised to be present in our midst. He has promised to be with his church always. So this is where we can find the lost Jesus. In the bread and the wine. In the proclamation of God's word. In the love of brothers and sisters. So when you've lost Jesus, go where he said he would be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your gospel, the the good news of Jesus, Emmanuel. We ask for your nearness to be made known and the work of your spirit to flourish in your church. But when we feel the dark clouds rolling in, and can't seem to find you. Give us the faith and strength to go where we know you are. Guide our steps further up and further into your church so that we too may increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.